Hi there, my name's Pete, and over the last 18 months, I've been consumed with one idea, to see a movement of God through ordinary people. This passion has led me to interview practitioners across this country, practice principles out of my home, and even start my own organization. My findings usually bring me to a coffee date with my good friend Robbie, and so I've asked him to be our host as we take this journey together. With that, welcome to We Have Permission podcast designed to awaken and empower the ordinary person towards one extraordinary mission. Your permission starts now. Welcome back to episode two of season one, where we are breaking down the pieces of movement. Now, last episode, we talked about how movements start with dreams and Pete, you broke down that you know dreams are kingdom dreams if, uh, one, does it move out? Two, does it need your name on it? And three, uh, does it require the Holy Spirit? Is this thing bigger uh, than what you can accomplish on your own? And so, uh, man, I loved those, convicted by those, and uh, found those extremely helpful. Um, so heading into this next piece of movement that we're going to talk about, this is... Uh, You have the phrase kingdom of earth, which I got to admit at first glance, I just kind of, I just kind of pass over that. And yet I realize more often than not, we talk about kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So uh, when we're talking about this kingdom of earth, uh, I think the best story and uh, tool maybe for our listeners is you've got this uh, experience you had on a cruise mm-hmm. that I, I'd love for you to just kind of retell yeah. that story and let's lay that over the top of uh, this particular part of the movie. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, it's, it's the vision that always comes to my mind when I think about this topic. Um, I mean, and, and obviously we, we have a kingdom of earth. We have to understand there is an earth. Right. Um, and it, this kingdom of heaven is, its intention is to saturate the kingdom of earth. Yeah, uh, the kingdom of heaven to the kingdom of earth, and that's actually what Jesus taught us to pray, and um, in His prayer, that His um, kingdom would come, and that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, the picture that does come to my mind um, that I was I was on a cruise, ten um, year anniversary cruise. Actually, it was my only cruise. I haven't been on one since. I probably would like to go on one. It's, it'd be nice. It's, it was actually nice. You know, I mean. They're supposed to be nice. I right. know. You unpack once, and then you know your hotel moves you around. It's awesome. <laughs> um, but as I was as I was on this cruise, I, I noticed that one of the stopping points was Haiti, and I mean that's interesting. Yeah, from what I know about cruises and what I know about Haiti, they just <laughs> <laughs> one of these things is not you know, like the other. They yeah, don't match up so well. <laughs> so I, I thought, okay, what what is this? Interesting. Uh, what is this going to be like? So. So, of course, we stop, we pour, we, I'm walking down um, this ramp, and at the bottom of the ramp we see this token Haitian band that was, I don't know, snatched up somewhere and put there for art entertainment. And it just felt kind of wrong. I don't know. It felt weird because they're, they're singing English songs for our benefit. And I just, you know, they got them in their traditional garb and, I don't <laughs> know, you, you know. Contradiction, I, man. Yeah, like, kind it of. felt a little forced. Yeah, it did. felt felt felt, felt weird. It got even weirder, though. When we got to the beach, so we get to the beach, there's no glass on the, on the ground, there's no garbage, there's, it, it's clean, um, white sand beach. And, and probably the biggest thing that you notice is that there's no Haitians. Interesting. Yeah. It's, 
just a bunch of um, pop-up umbrellas with a Mai Tai bar in the back. And um, I begin to look around and kind of notice, oh, there's there's a fence yeah. in the background there. It's like it's hidden by bushes and stuff. And you realize that, you know, this fence is keeping Haiti out as we have our little fun on the beach. <laughs> and so I, Which instantly makes you want to enjoy your all-inclusive oh, vacation. right, yes. right. Keep, yeah. keep them out. You know, it's just, it just felt weird. Oh, man. So we... Well, I, I felt like there, there has to be what it is. I guess it, it, it appealed to my inquisitive side. So yeah. I, I started looking around for a break in the fence. Um, and I found this little gate. Um, and on the other side of the gate were these two little girls. Dirt on their faces. Looking at me as if they'd just been caught. And they, For living in their country. Right. 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 <laughs> And, and and it was just an, it was a bizarre moment because in that moment I could realize that I I, I didn't speak their language. Yeah, um, I came from a very different place. I looked very different. I was tall and white. And and what about that big boat? <laughs> right. I mean, I, I I just know I was so foreign. Such a different world, man. Yeah. Steps away. And in that moment, it was it was clear to me that. A part of me wanted to bring them onto the boat with me. Like, it would be so fun to show them a good time, show them entertainment like they've never seen, give them food like they've never had, uh, just to to give them an experience, maybe a bed to sleep in that they've never had. And you think, man, this would be amazing if I could. And it it doesn't take more than two seconds to realize there's there's no way they're coming with you. No. They're not going to come on that boat with you. Uh, They know their place. Yeah. And we got back on the boat, and another thing I'll never forget was it was this woman. She she had been on was, this was her twenty fourth cruise, and the reason I know that is because she let everyone know this was her twenty fourth <laughs> cruise. If you're that lady, we all know, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and she she just mentioned to us. She said she said something that sounded really good, and I think it came from a good place in her heart. So I don't want to judge too hard here, yeah. but she said. If they'd let me, I'd, I'd, I'd pay for two of those Haitians to come on this boat with me because everyone deserves a vacation. Hmm. And as, as pure of a place that may have come from, I, it just seemed off. Okay. Seemed wrong. Yeah. And I began to think about church <laughs> and the cruise line that I'm used to. Yeah. And I began to think mm. about what I know about my experience. And I've got, I've got a great church. I've got, yeah. I've got great people at the church. There's a great experience there. There's a culture there that's, that's right. very comfortable to me. And I wish everyone in the world yeah. could be on my ship, could be yeah. in this experience. I want people to experience what I've experienced. But I have to understand that not everyone yeah. is going to call that their place. Hmm. And yet, Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven really it is for everyone it like is. his his point is like let's go to them and so this is the this is the framework in which i have been viewing um this whole kingdom of earth idea and to think okay how do we take the gospel the good news the kingdom of heaven on the move and take it beyond the gates yeah take it to the people to let it manifest itself in the way that it's supposed to there 
Yeah. So that's kind of the background. Okay, and so um, it's it's funny, and Jesus actually teaches us a lot about how to to do this. I think I've just glossed over these in my uh, Sunday school experiences as individual stories, and yet there's a theme. Oh yeah. In the way Jesus kind of lives out this yeah. kingdom of earth thing. <laughs> It's unbelievable to me. It, 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 to be honest with you, it, it surprised me even as I began <laughs> rereading the scripture. I've been preaching, you know, for 25 years. Right. And and I had a moment. I had a moment about a year ago where I actually, as I was reading Jesus' methods, Jesus' way, that I got down on my knees before God and I, I asked for forgiveness. because. Really? It isn't that it isn't that this method I was doing before was all bad, but the fact that I didn't mention some of what I'm about to tell you, hmm. it just it just convicted me. Yeah. Jesus, this is the this is the point. Jesus seemed to always be a guest hmm. and not a host. A guest, not a host. Yeah. And I think about that. I think we we are so so host driven in the west yeah we we want it, and it comes from a good place a beautiful place like it's you know not it does a it's, bad it's, thing. it's yeah and it's okay and but and i think the thing that i had to con- i had to repent of was that i believe in my heart of hearts what i was most concerned with was preaching a message of come and see mm. and not a message of go and be Come so and see. come and see rather than go and be versus go and be. And Jesus was a go and be. Hmm. He was always hanging out with prostitutes at parties. And I want to, I want to, I want to caution us, you know, this, this isn't just like a, you know, green light to go, you know, go <laughs> crazy, prostitutes prostitutes, yeah. you know, but, but in a way I think Jesus was always on the go. He's always a guest. Hmm. Um, Perhaps the best example I can see of that was on the road to Emmaus. It, Sunday, the Sunday he raises from the dead, seems like that would be the Sunday he would have taken a nap. You know, I mean, this is the day that I would think that you'd sleep in and just not have to worry about doing more. But he he, he takes that um, day and he walks to Emmaus. And along the way, he finds two guys that were his disciples that didn't recognize him anymore. Mm. As if there's a new way to recognize him. And at the end of this walk, they beg him to come into their home. Still not knowing who he is. Still not knowing who he is. And he says, uh, of course I'll come in. First he acts like he has to go, but when they invite him in, and and it seems to be true with his character, he always accepted the invitation to be brought into a home. Interesting. And once he's in, he breaks bread, hands it to him better than they found it, and they end up having their eyes open and say, oh, my goodness, we're in our hearts burning within us. And then they begin. that's when it says they recognized him. And it, it seems consistent. Like he entered Peter's home. He entered, um, well, he, he, he entered um, all kinds of homes of, of, of anyone that would invite him in. Um, the woman at the well, um, the people there were so enamored by him. They said, well, you stay with us two more days. Of course I'll stay with you two yeah. more days. Um, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. <laughs> hey, come down from that tree. I'm going to come to whose house? I'm going to come to your house today. Yeah. And then it was it was actually played out um, with his disciples, with the people who were his followers. Like Peter, um, at one point, um, was in jail. 
shackles on his wrists and his uh, and his arm or his feet. Earthquake comes, shackles come off, and if there was ever a time in the history of man that you know that this is a sign I'm supposed to leave, that yeah, seems like it would be take it. Take off, right? But he doesn't. He stays until a jailer says, "You want to come to my house?" Interesting. And he does. He goes to his house, baptizes them. There is something about being a guest. It is. It is. It is inherently uh, a part of Jesus's plan. Yeah. Paul does it with Lydia. I mean, I could just go on and on. There's there's just all kinds of, of situations where that's that's the truth. So, guest not host um, seems to be the way. Man, so in the context of movement, guest mm-hmm. is uh, is the approach, and Jesus modeled that many times, different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, we've <laughs> we've done things a little bit. Differently, I've done things. Oh yeah, quite a bit differently. You've talked about that as well. So, there are things that um, you've seen uh, as you've been interviewing and, and, and learning about this stuff that have that have killed movements, and there's things that have kind of like poured gas on them and catalyzed movements. Yeah. So, yeah. talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah, um, one of the more memorable um, interviews I had was with a guy named Sam Metcalf who. <clears throat> Heads up an organization that oversees ministries all over the world, and uh, they've actually seen hundreds of thousands of church, house church movements popping up. Not house church, but hundreds of thousands of, of churches popping yeah. up around the around the world. And as I was interviewing him, he said there are three things that kill movements more than anything else. He said it's money, buildings, and Christians. <laughs> And, you know, I had to kind of shake my head at that at first, but uh, I can I, actually I can see the money thing. I can see the building thing. But the, the Christian thing was a little odd at first until he started to unpack that and say, you know, we just want to explain things. Hmm. We want to put our take on things. We want to invite people more to a Christian culture than we do want to invite people into the kingdom of heaven. Interesting. In other words, we're a little bit more like that woman on the yeah on the ship. Best you of know, intentions. Best of intentions, but but Christians kill movements. <laughs> and we will talk a little bit more in our next episode about how non Christians are leading movements. But this is um, it's just it's fascinating to me. So if if that's the case and these things that we pretty regularly use hoping that a movement starts mm-hmm. uh, aren't necessarily the best approach, what are? Yeah. Um <laughs> Well, it, it, it's not it's not quite as rosy. It's not quite as uh, rainbows and butterflies. But persecution, <laughs> poverty, and darkness seem to be the catalysts for movement. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, poverty, we or, or, or persecution, we we have seen that. We've seen it, yeah. That's our, our just read any church history yeah. book. We you know, know that to be that, true. That's just true. Um, Poverty, uh, perhaps one of the best ways to look at that example here in the States right now is um, something that's become really popular recently is um, something called the underground movement or the underground people. Yep. Um, down in Tampa Bay, Florida. Down in Tampa, Florida, right. And they have about 225 micro churches, is what they call them, that are really expressions of church to the poor. Well, and, and they got into this as an experiment, too, which I, I loved their approach as I started looking mm-hmm. at them. They didn't start having some success and then start telling the 
the Western world. Like, here's how you do it. Here's the how-to right, manual. Right. They didn't know what they were doing, and right. they kind of made a pact. Like, we're not going to talk about this for 10 years. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> just to see, because you just don't know what you don't even know yet, as they were doing some things differently. Particularly, they focused on the marginalized in their community. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, some really beautiful things have happened. There's a great short documentary out there called uh, Underground, Underground People. People. Uh, you should totally Google and check it out. Um, but they went specifically to poverty, and we're, they went into darkness Yeah, as a way to... To, to bring yeah. light, like, what, yeah. talk to I, me about that. Uh, Neil Cole talks a lot about how our light shines brighter in darkness, and I think everyone that's ever lit a match knows that's true. <laughs> yeah, but we somehow believe that if we hang out in dark places, that our light's going to get dimmer, hmm. and it's just not true. Um, as a matter of fact, the thing that makes your light dimmer is when you hang out with more light. Hmm. And if I, if I bring my flashlight outside into the sun, I mean, it's it's just not quite as impactful. And I, I feel like there's a metaphor there that's similar to when, if we're always gathering with Christians, yep. that our light's going to kind of not be quite as impactful as it could be. And so finding darkness really is an important component here. Of um, movement. And again, we're not knocking, right. spending time right. in the light. like right. <laughs> Right. Um, but in the context of the things that are these these parts of movement, uh, going into darkness yeah. uh, is a part of it. Now, um, man, I've I've spoken with people uh, who are on this, who've experienced these these movements mm-hmm. around the world. Mm-hmm. You and I both have. We've read stories. Um, there's some crazy stuff happening out there, man. As as yeah. darkness is. Uh, penetrated by light. Yeah. Um, well, let me just, let me maybe kind of put a close to this. Jesus gave us two trainings. Okay. We, we get to over overhear two trainings that he gave, one to the 12 and one to the 72. Okay. And the whole training was basically stemming around, go be guests. Hmm. He said, go, um, tell them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Where is and this? This is in Matthew ten and in Luke ten. Okay. And and in summary, he basically says, eat what they eat, drink what they drink, and don't leave. If they're if they're a person of peace, if they're a person that's welcoming you in, then you stay with that person. Mm-hmm. And in one of the side um I don't know, benefit not a benefit, but one of the one of the things that will that, that will it manifest itself yeah. when you see when you come to these places is he says this, he says really this is this this crazy little <laughs> verse. As you go, preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse those who have leprosy. <clears throat> no big deal. Yeah. Just go eat what they eat, drink what they drink, stay where they stay, but you know. That part I get. <laughs> this part I didn't learn in Bible college. I mean, this this part, it's just, it's it's heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse those who have leprosy. As I was talking to Sam, Metcalf. He was talking about how in these other parts of the world where movement is happening, I mean huge movements are happening, these kinds of things, these miracle expressions are common. They, The average person you read this to and they say, they nod their head and they say yes. They say yes. Because, because, because they're taking new ground. And they've seen it? They have seen these things <laughs> with, with their eyes. 
So as as light begins to kind of come into darkness, mm-hmm. there's this overlap that begins to happen. I would I would even say as the kingdom of heaven overlaps the kingdom of earth, okay, you are beginning to take new ground. Okay. And in that new ground, you will see manifestations of the spirit that are more common there. Uh, Sam goes on to say that part of the reason that we don't see a lot of the manifestations of the spirit here in the States is because we have isolated those circles. Hmm. That we have said, come to my church, come to my circle. Darkness here, light here. Yes. Hmm. And when they don't overlap, we do not see. That's where the miracles. The miracles. Hmm. To the point where he said that we have actually taught this Hmm. theology right out of our churches. We have taught this idea of miracles right out of our theology. So how you would say it. Yeah. Yeah. So. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So um, you, man, you you end each of these uh, episodes with sort of a simple application for the ordinary person. Yeah. So in light of... uh, this particular piece of movement about the kingdom of earth, about this uh, us being guests, mm-hmm. uh, not what we're maybe more used to. Uh, what would what would you say is that simple application? Help yeah. us out. What do we do with this? Yeah. Um, first of all, I just I want to I want to speak to you, <laughs> whoever's listening to this. This ordinary person, you are in a good spot wherever you are. God's got you there. And I want you to I want you to know that that you I want to affirm you in that, um, and that I believe in your context that there are people of peace, there are people that care, that people want to know more about this Jesus. And one last quick story that I'll tell you that might be just an example for you is I know of a missionary who went out to play spike ball this uh, this 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 yard game, um, and he brought three guys in began to play spike ball with him, told him briefly who he was, about who Jesus was. And two of the guys were not interested, and one of the guys really was. And that guy invited him to have a drink on the street with him called a mate. He said, Pete, I hate mates. (laughs) But Jesus said, eat what they eat, drink what they drink. Hmm. And so he drank this mate, which led to even deeper relationship to where the guy eventually said, will you come to my apartment? He walks into the apartment, goes into his home, and he hangs out and doesn't leave. And he ends up building not only a relationship with the gatekeeper, the person of peace who was baptized, but he ends up deepening a relationship with all the people in the apartment and establishing the kingdom of heaven right there. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the We Have Permission podcast. Obviously, this has been an auditory resource to introduce listeners to the different pieces that make up a movement. But if you are more visual or tactile, we do have a movement manual that you can request through our website. Or, if you would like to keep this conversation going, you can join us and others in relationship around these concepts, May 19th through the 22nd, where we'll be having three days of conversation in a retreat format, and we would love for you to join us. To get your hands on this resource or to find more details about the retreat, visit wehavepermission.com.